0: Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. This is Talk Easy. Uh, I'm Sam Fricoso and today, uh, this is episode 150. I don't know how genuinely how we got here. I think it has to do with uh, many of the people who made the show possible and uh, a little bit to do with me. Uh, For episode 50, we had on my mother. Uh, She didn't want to do the podcast at all. And then for episode uh, 100, we had on my dad, who only wanted to do the podcast because my mother did the podcast. (laughs) That tells you all you need to know about my family. Um, For 150, the original plan was to either have on uh, my brother Parker or my brother Nate or to have on my sister Maya. But um, for 150, uh, it is an interview with me uh, conducted by my best friend, Harrison Cameron, who is sitting across from me right now. Harrison, how are you doing? Well, I feel
2: good. Um, I'm very is that
0: your NPR voice?
2: <laughs> I'm uh, I'm very happy to be here, and I did interview you.
0: I will give you credit.
2: Yes, as well you should.
0: There are a few people mm. that know me yes. and know my like sure. life trajectory. Can you shut the hell up over there? <laughs>
2: Sorry.
0: There are a few people. I'm trying to give you a compliment. I, I barely want to. I didn't know. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I really
0: want to. Okay. Yes. No, look, genuinely, there there are a few people that know uh me as well as you do. And True. uh I felt comfortable relaying the kind of uh, basic facts that you already knew before this podcast. Basic facts. Yeah, it's like the facts of your life and all and all that. But I yeah, but take I think the good, take the bad, yes. But but, but I will say to to, to give you credit, um, We've done 150 of these,
2: almost entirely, yeah.
0: Yeah, and um, much of what is said Mm. on this podcast has not been shared on the show before. So, um, much not all. Yeah, I really do thank you for doing it. Um, thank you to all those listening. Uh, I re I really do appreciate. uh, As Harrison laughs, (gasps) I'm sorry. Um, it's been wonderful to do the show, Mm. and uh, thank you for being here.
2: gentlemen um i am here with a a dear friend of mine sam Fergoso. my name is harrison cameron i want to describe our setting really quick because i think that's important to say so people know what we're going through do you agree with that yeah yeah okay we are currently sitting on either side of my father's bed in the place that we uh in the house that we both live we don't uh live on my father's bed Look, it's good you're being transparent right away. Absolutely. You know, I I feel I ought to. Uh, So let's start at the beginning, Uh, September 9th, 1994. Uh. What's going through your head?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do do you envision a kind of parody (laughs) of um, what I do on the show?
2: Uh, No, but I came up with that and I thought that was pretty funny. So I decided to open with that. Blood, blood is, well, is going true. through my head. That's an honest answer. Yeah,
0: I know. I w- I mean, my birth was, um, disgusting. Uh, it, it was maybe maybe unsettling, uh, but it happened a month before I was scheduled to be born. Yes, and uh, in that happening, like I think both I and my mother almost died as a result. And she had to be put in uh, emergency care, and it was a whole, a whole thing. So. Um, I, I don't think much was going through my head. I think I wasn't supposed, supposed to be born yet right So,
2: so you're probably th- what's going on? Why am I out why so am early I here? Yeah. yeah.
0: Do you say why am I in Silver
2: Lake? Why am I out so early? Oh yeah yeah yeah. So you're a little boy um, your parents get divorced when you're how old. Pretty early, right? before one. Yeah, yeah. before one. It's your fault probably right like yeah. as, as it is with most <laughs> kids when their parents get divorced, it's your fault. Um, you have, uh, you know, you cause them to split with your tyranny as a baby or whatever it is. Yeah. At what age do you like put together that that's not maybe the standard for a person your age?
0: It's like it's the difference between my memory and what I'm told by my parents as a memory. Sure. But I I think, I mean, this is gonna sound uh, sad, but I, I think somewhere around like six or seven, I. Um, went over to my best friend's house, whose name was George Krug uh, in Burridge. And I, I think I must have asked him or his parents being like, oh, why are you guys both here? <laughs> um, And, and I, I don't know if I asked them that, and then George Krug's parents relayed that to my parents, being like, sure, just so yeah. you know. <laughs> Your kid's lovely, and and, he, and he's very talented athletically. But he has a question about <laughs> this that seemed also. Very... Yeah,
2: they're saying this six-year-old's really talented athletically. I think
0: <laughs> I think that was the kind of conversations they were having. It was those kind of dialogues about yes, yes. youth athletics and all that. So right. somewhere around that time. I mean, it's it's a little sad, but um, I didn't think much of it.
2: No, because you didn't have you know the 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 context for it or whatever. Yeah, so.
0: I didn't have the context for it. No, I didn't. But, you know, I learned it pretty quick.
2: Right. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, you got sad about it later, I would hope. Right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yes. yeah, I got sad about it right now.
2: Um. It's funny that you bring up uh, that you are, <laughs> I guess, a really athletic six-year-old. Mm-hmm. Because truly my next question. Oh. Because I want to sort of just zoom through your life. I want to wrap this up in 10, 15. Yeah. Uh, so so, y- so
0: less minutes than years. <laughs>
2: Yes. Well, you're already six at this point. So 15 more. No, damn it. Okay. So when, when do you get involved in athletics and basketball in particular? Cause I know as, as a young boy, that was a really big thing for you. Uh,
0: it, it must be around that time. Yeah. Around and, and the time that preschool. you
2: find out that your parents are divorced. <laughs> you're
1: like, <laughs> no. it's time
2: to start exercising, getting into sports.
1: No,
0: I think I was aware of a separation before five, but I, I probably didn't have the vocabulary for it. Sure. But I definitely played sports early. I mean, my dad ultimately preferred that I would... He wanted me to play baseball more than basketball. Right. Although right. he liked all of them. But I, I, I played basketball and took a liking to it really early on. So I think around whatever preschool is, I think that is five or six. Because first grade is seven, maybe. So, sure. Um, yeah, then. I started early, and I, I... It's like, that's a question for parents. I don't know... I think I was immediately competitive sure, about it because sure. my dad's very competitive.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me you would set goals for yourself. Say, oh, yeah. I can't, I can't leave until I make ten free throws in a row yeah. or something like that.
0: Yeah, I would do. I would do. It had to be ten in a row, or there would be the if I shoot a hundred, I have to hit eighty-five of them. Sure.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, just thinking about. I mean, I guess I don't know if most people have that or not, but I know I don't have it, and none of our close friends have it really.
0: It's maybe So maybe the reason I stayed with basketball or it's, it, it stuck out to me is um, I think from a really early age, I was given the template of Michael Jordan. And for whatever reason, and, I, and again, I can't even answer this and maybe my parents could answer it better, but um, that psychology clearly made some sense to me. Like, this is the way in which you make things or produce things is that you you're rigorous about it and you take it maybe uh too seriously <laughs> um I, I think it's just i'm obsessive i'm sure. an obsess i mean i've i've always been an obsessive person and it was it was a true about it was true about sports it was true around that same time of um playing poker with my friends i like started watching all the world series of poker tapes and i would wear sunglasses in the basement of, like, my friend's <laughs> homes playing. And no matter what it was, I got uh, hyper-focused about it. Mm. And I don't know the root of it, but, you know, both of my parents, and and, and those uh, listening to this, I assume they have maybe listened to the ones with my parents. Right, well, you have two of them. Yeah, I have two. Of them. Well, I have many of them. But I have two that have come on the podcast. And uh, both of them came from you know pretty severe poverty and i think they both made something of their lives and they so badly did not want me to have to have any of that struggle sure but the mentalities were still there like the cores of them and and their principles were still like you have to do the work
2: yeah you i just there's i have this memory of you telling me that you worked hard on basketball every day you were practicing. Mm-hmm. You are doing everything. And at a certain point, mm-hmm. your mom tells you, because you wanted to be in the NBA was your goal. You were like, you're a little kid. You're like, I want to be in the NBA. And you had that experience that very few, I think, uh, kids our age have. Yeah. Of like, your your mom going, ah, it's not going to happen. What are you doing?
0: <laughs> yeah. I think my mom telling me that was depressing in the moment. Yes. But it, it also came at a time... Um, which i have i don't think i've mentioned on the show which is you know uh the joys of, of playing basketball or any team sports is that you there's a team yeah i experienced like my first um authority figure in around the 7th grade mm. in a basketball coach um who was a tyrant who was a, 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 a complete asshole sure and um there was to put it mildly, a, a case of nepotism on the team. Right. That was right. that was so um egregious yeah. that I was like, Oh, you know, I don't know. This is not worth it. And though I kept being on the team and I would be on the team the next year. Sure. And I you know, I still play now, but um it, that coupled with my mom's like honest assessment of how it was going to go <laughs> I think made me think, ah, to move on
2: yeah what's your favorite interview you've done? and you can lie <laughs> uh,
0: uh for the podcast
2: um yes, let's do four podcasts and then uh, outside of that
0: um it's like the it's the difference between what uh there there are episodes that I think are the best episodes to listen to mm-hmm. versus in the room with someone thinking like, yeah this is the best right. for me. Um, I, I, and, and you know, I mean, I can't describe the, the feeling of doing the one with Norman Lear, I think, right. um, is up there because if because going into his office and talking to someone in their nineties and, and having to earn their trust in a, in, in quick succession. And earning it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so that was that. And then, um, without the microphones for print,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, probably, probably the one with Winnie Allen,
2: Sure. yeah. I, I, I would say. Yeah. Especially because at that age, you were 19, 20 when that happened? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I
0: was, um, you know. I just finished my freshman year at college.
2: Well, it was advice vice, right? Yeah. Vice wanted you to put some shit in there, and you're like, I don't want to do that.
0: Um, Vice, uh, beforehand said we would do the interview at Winnie Allen, but that you needed to, um, bring up, uh, uh, at the time, the accusation of, of him um, um, sexually assaulting his, his kid. Right, right. And that you had to bring it up um, in some form. Sure. And so uh, when I sat with him, uh, it was in Chicago. He was only doing two interviews. I was the first. Mm. Richard Roper did a, uh, did one after me. Nice. And, you know, I asked him, um, and, it, and and it, and I admit that it's weird to talk about him given the era we're in. And I and I know people uh, listening have their own um, uh, apprehensions ar- around him, and, and I do too. But sure. um, I did ask him, I said, do you think um, the accusations at all affect how people go into your movies and watch your films? Which I thought was definitely enough. I definitely broached the subject. Sure. And he answered it honestly, and he didn't think, um in, in very traditional Woody Allen fashion he thought no, of no, course not of course not it doesn't matter yeah um and so in the aftermath i, I sent the piece to vice mm-hmm. and my editor said look um you didn't ask if he raped his kid and so we don't want this and right. that that was pretty much verbatim what vice said to me right to which i right. said that's that's baffling and so then there was a 24 hour period in which i sent it to Bunch of salon, right? I yeah. sent it to Slate I sent it to um, A few places All of them said They didn't really want it And then NPR takes it They pay me uh, an, an, an abysmal Amount of money for it
2: I And mean, it ended up being newsworthy
0: Well what's fascinating <laughs> is that it, it goes on NPR And all of those places that turned me down Pick it up. I mean Salon Literally wrote two articles about it <laughs> You know, I definitely got to work for a couple more years because of those pieces. And that one with Spike Lee and The Atlantic. And, sure. Um, there was one with song and The New Republic that I think all helped generate some career. But the market was sad. I mean, it is sad. And it's a really hard thing to do. And those who can make it, I, I mean, it's really impressive.
2: You say, oh, you know, that, that journalism, the long-form kind of interviews you wanted to do, just there wasn't, uh, like, the demand for it or mm-hmm. the, and then um, a little bit after that, a couple years after that, you um, decided to do uh, like long form interviews <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as this podcast. Yes. You did it about 149 times. So I'm wondering, um, what's the disconnect? <laughs> you, you, What uh, what, 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 brought you back to that? It's something you wanted to do. You felt that there wasn't a market for, and yet you decided to do it anyway. I,
0: it, the, there's no disconnect. It, this happened because the other couldn't happen. Mm. I I just because I didn't think there was a market for it, it couldn't
2: have it in print, but it could happen in this Yeah,
0: I on. mean also it, it it's uh, although the market didn't exist, it didn't mean that I didn't want it to happen. Sure. Um and by journalism I really was I really do mean like film journalism. Right. Um and, and film coverage, uh, entertainment journalism probably is more broad. Creating the show um it was it was so clearly kind of the only real avenue to continue doing something that I love doing, that I felt like it did matter to some people, but probably not enough for outlets, um, print and digital, um, to continue paying people a fair rate for them. Sure. So, but it did start to exist on podcasts. I mean, mainly because of, um, you know, the rise of Marin and um, um, the, the interest for, a kind of long-form candid talk.
2: Uh, back to what I was saying. So you start doing film criticism when you were 13, 12, would you say?
0: Yeah. Uh, freshman year of high school. Freshman
2: year of high school. So like 14. Okay. Mm-hmm. So.
0: I think it was th- November 23rd, 20, uh,
2: 2009 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um. Something. So, and, and you're, you're like, was it your, it's your cousin or uncle who's doing it in those, those videos we watched recently. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: Uh, I mean, he was not doing it. Right. For context, the year I started writing film reviews was the year that I, uh, lived with my father for the first time.
2: Right. You're living, your mother moves to California.
0: So I had been living with my mother up until eighth grade. Yes. Um, in the middle of eighth grade, her and my two brothers moved to California. Mm Mm-hmm um she separates from my uh, first stepfather right and uh I live with my dad for the first time and it's in that year where we watch like Ebert and Roper at the movies mm. you know I would always loved film growing up and and, uh, and though I didn't take it deeply serious you know both of my parents are both film people and so we watched the Ebert and Roper show and I for some reason I found it so so entertaining to talk about movies in this way, and to, to to consume them, and then to have to generate some kind of opinion about them. Sure, uh, I like doing that. And and my freshman year of high school was um, pretty horrendous. I I mean I didn't yeah. have many friends uh, at the school that I was going to. It was a, it was a Catholic school uh, in Chicago, and I was on the basketball team for a yeah. little bit, but I was in the middle of like a, a severe growth spurt. Where I grew like four inches in that year and
2: So you're in pain. In the pain time. and my ankle yeah.
0: problems and I couldn't really play and I really didn't like anyone on the team and so yeah, somewhere in that in that year I create this like blog spot and start Duke in the movies. And I think the first movie I reviewed was twenty one.
2: Uh, too bad. Um, but it is you start this Duke in the movies, that's I mean you do that for four years. Before five years before movie Maz,
0: I mean, no, I mean, I created mezzanine uh senior year of high school,
2: okay? So, four years, yeah.
0: Um, and after that first year of, of high school, I, I, despite you know loving Chicago and growing up there and, and, and being with my dad, I I had a hard time at the school. I just well, did. So
2: you moved schools.
0: No, I mean I was just a freshman. I mean that first year I was just going to a new school. I mean I.
2: Yeah, but I mean that's that's it's tough tough. to. A lot of those kids have known. You know, you're you're doing that whole thing. I did that when I moved to junior high.
0: Yeah. Um. It was a bad age. Fourteenth is bad age. It's it's a horrendous. Uh, In general,
2: you can full stop right there. Yeah.
0: So, I move uh, out west to to Fresno,
2: sunny California, the Central Valley. Yes. Dry. Didn't know anyone. Dry heat.
0: And I meet you. That first year, my sophomore year of high school.
2: Yes. Uh, but I think it's funny. I remember specifically because you were friends with Robbie Oberg, a sweet, sweet man. You guys were playing a game, Movie Bomb. Yeah. And then just by virtue of being <laughs> around uh, each other and playing that game, uh, talking during lunch, became pals. Yeah. Would, you say, would you say that's true? Yeah, I would. Sam? I would. You're on the stand. I say yes. Are you sure? 100%. Sam? Yes. You're giving me a look right now. No, no, no.
0: I, I think that's right. I think I think um, I didn't have any friends in that year. No, me included. I should say
2: you weren't a friend uh, until the next year.
0: Yeah, I mean we 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 were like we were class friends.
2: Sure. In a lot yeah. of
0: ways. I mean, I spent uh, most of that year uh, without friends. I knew one person going there, uh, 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 Rachel Treesman.
2: Of course, of course, family and, friend.
0: And um, I spent my lunches. In the library, eating and and watching all the old Ebern and Siskel on Letterman clips. Sure. Like, I watched all of them. And then I watched all the old At The Movies. And I, I, I've i seen all of them sure, uh, that, are, yeah. that are publicly available. That are available, available on yeah. the
2: internet. Or at and, least were at that time.
0: I was so devoted to learning everything I could about movies. Sure, yeah, And uh, writing about them. And I was writing constantly. I was writing every day. And in large part because I didn't have other people to talk to. So I had these, what I think, you know, and looking back at it were just like these surrogate worlds that I could find myself in and, and spend time with. And I watched movies over and over between the same films. And then I was also, I had an had a openness at that time to watch anything.
2: Yeah. No, um, I, that was the, that's the best. When you're 14. Yeah. <laughs> 15, you're like, I'm fucking sitting around pretending you know that i'm doing homework yeah what else am i gonna do i was watching all kinds
0: of stuff and and yeah and it's in that time that i yeah i loved i loved the experience of being alone with my thoughts and a movie yeah and then i there was some part of like i had this routine of i go on the weekend i come back i post my reviews sunday and monday I was getting better, too, and, and at that time, I...
2: Getting getting your reps in. Yeah. 10,000 I mean, hours, working towards... Yeah,
0: them. yeah. I think I was approaching the 10,000 hours.
2: What What was the first time you wrote a review, and you were like, fuck, that's pretty good.
0: I wrote a review of Boogie Nights that I thought was...
2: Pornography f- epic, in the first sentence. I remember that. Yeah, we yeah we were yeah.
0: I called it a pornography. A
2: pornography epic. epic. I'll never you know, forget the, the, that. The, Don't know why.
0: There's a lot of well, because it's bad With writing. Long as hell. Um, I think there was. Uh, there, I I, w- I had such a unique ability at that age to write horribly, and <laughs> um, it, 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 I just had this 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 this. I couldn't write things simply.
2: Reading reviews, like when you're learning how to do something, you look at how other people do it yeah I was so, imitating people yes yeah I was imi-
0: but also because um, I was part of this larger film community online to, to, all of them were older and so I was doing uh, what I could to like fit in and and to seem like I was you know precocious I and mean, that was the word I always used was you're sure, precocious sure yeah and and at the time um, You were. <laughs> I, well sure but I had a, I, had, I credit you know a lot to James Ward. Um, Yeah,
2: I was just going to mention Ward. Yeah,
0: you know, Ward was this really, um, is this really um, weird, um, you know, uh, stocky, tall uh, uh, gay man who wrote these film reviews, uh, who was the chief film critic for, like, the Visalia Times. Yes. Who, um, a really gifted writer and a smart editor, uh, and took me under his wing... In those early days, when I was first getting into press screenings and yes, press now, yeah, you know him and and and, and Rick and that Bentley started when degree. you were
2: fourteen or fifteen or so. No, it
0: started um, no, because I was in Chicago at fourteen, but when I it was it was my junior year of high school. Your so
2: junior, no, but, uh, oh well, yeah, maybe that's yeah, true, because it was yeah. your sophomore year, my junior year, right? So was that was like, when we were really friends. Yeah, I was like sixteen, we, seventeen. We got into the same PE class again.
0: Yes, You know
2: you watching three movies a weekend or, or or six movies a weekend, like, and just writing and doing all that. That's like a competition against, I guess yourself or no one. Like there's no,
0: but it was, it was to generate traffic.
2: Yeah. But it's just, but you're, it's different than like playing a sport against someone. It's more of just playing something. I think
0: that's the natural evolution of trying to be a healthier person. Mm. I, I think trying to be an artist um, although there are competitive components of it, sure, um, is is really the the right amount of competition. In that, it is it is good to be competitive and to go after things creatively, mm. but it is not the basis of all your work. I think it was good that I pivoted to film reviews because I I I, I wasn't ever gonna be a, a supreme athlete. Sure, I mean, but how would you describe me uh, in my senior year of high school?
2: hmm, confident and thoughtful in the way that you you thought about, like, the world and, you know, I remember specifically, like, so uh, two of our close friends started dating uh, and I remember you, like, and I talking about it and uh, you having, like, Insights that I had not had because I was only thinking about myself mm-hmm. and my point of view on something, mm-hmm. where you were you were thinking about how other people thought about things, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that at least I wasn't at that point. I mean, I was, well, and am you know, I mean, pretty pretty self absorbed. You're you know, concerned person. There was one point where I was like, I don't understand why so many girls like you because you're not like a super handsome guy or something. Yeah. And at the time,
0: that was a stunning thing to hear.
2: No, it's gotta be, especially at a, you're a self-conscious teen hearing that. Yeah. But it was, you know, I mean, you're just, you're just very confident, very sure of yourself. And that's, I think what drew people to you, uh, because most people that age are not, Hmm. Or not at all. But, you know, you would accomplished things that people in their teen years generally have not. Uh, you were, you know, talking to adults who had done something for a long time as their peers. I remember in, uh, I believe, your junior year, you came to school very excited. And you had a printed out email hmm. from Roger Ebert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his one note was, stop telling people that you're a child- Mm-hmm. Because people won't make that assumption. <laughs> like
0: Yeah, Roger said, don't uh, share your age on the internet. Who knows? Mm. And he said, uh, you have a future as a writer, film critic or otherwise. Yes, yeah. yeah.
2: And so, A, that's awesome. That's crazy. That's like, you know, yeah. and there's a person who's your idol. Yeah. And who is reaching out to you. He's taking the time to be like, hey, yeah, yeah, promise. Even if he's just being polite, like, you know, or nice, like Yeah. I think I think something. he
0: had that um, especially after um the surgery and, yeah. and, and the and the illness, right? He was pretty sedentary mm-hmm. and was an active emailer. He knew the power he had in just Spending two minutes on an email and and shooting it off
2: yeah it would mean the world to you yeah, yeah. and did and it oh, did for sure yeah, yeah,
0: I mean it's 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 absolutely um mind boggling and it's why to this day I owe um so much to him and Chaz
2: yeah, I mean like you're doing something that is a profession and you have received a thumbs up hmm. From uh, the one of the best people to ever do that profession. That was cute. Uh, thank you, and I think it uh, was cute. It's very cute. But at a certain point, you you know want to pivot to creating stuff. I remember you wrote a page of a script in high school and brought that to school, printed out. It was uh, a sort of Kevin Smithy uh, like riff on like you know. Complaining about Tree of Life and the other person saying, Oh, it's whatever. Cause I was ranting about Tree of Life at the time. Yeah. And you were in favor of it. It was a conversation we had many times. And you wrote this really interesting thing that we, uh, tortoise shreds. (laughs) Yeah. Shit on. And you, you know, uh, we're not happy with that, obviously, as no one would being creative, getting shut down like that. Um, do you think that? you would have tried to create things like movies or or, or write things like that earlier if you had not gotten pretty severely shut down at the first attempt that you shared with uh, your friends. Yes. All right, well. For
0: context, Mm -hmm. um, uh, I wrote um, a script, or I wrote a page uh, uh, and maybe a little more outline of stuff um, for a short film I thought we could do which was about um, two friends that had the kind of dynamic that you and Quinn had. Hmm. Um, that was the piece. I mean, I, sure. I wrote some jokey um, mall set post-theater walk out of Tree of Life. shit. Sure, yeah. But, you know, again, for context, um, our friend Quinn Bowman. Right. Harrison and him have this kind of uh, almost uh, Shakespearean uh, <laughs> uh, dilemma in which... Um, Quinn, being his best friend, is in love with Harrison's older sister. and,
2: <laughs> and, and I didn't expect that right now. That's and right.
0: and um, this was a dynamic that caused all of us, I think, pain and confusion. And, and it was peculiar. And, and um, that's what the script, thats what that was the kind of thing I wanted to make. Right. It's funny, though, in thinking about that time and, and trying my hand at that. Mm-hmm. I, it's 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 really fascinating that I was at seventeen, kind of like yeah, let's make a movie about something that's deeply painful for you too. Um, and that, it's not that it wasn't painful for me. Yeah, it that was,
2: neither of us are comfortable with. Yes, yes, at all. <laughs> but
0: but I and I, in my head, I was like, well, if we do it, then we can get to the bottom of it, and, sure, and that yeah. the three of us could all like figure it out. Yeah, we could return to something. Um, that we probably liked more than what it was in the current moment, right? And I, I don't know where this comes from for me, but um, it's true of the movies I've made. It's true of this podcast, most definitely. Um, it's true of the movies I'm, I'm going to make in the next couple of years. Uh, I I'm not afraid, sure, and jumping into things that are so so tethered and tied to our realities in that moment. Maybe I should be a little more cautious, but I, I'm i just not. I guess I thought it would be interesting. I, I'm always, if, if it's interesting, then I'll accept the pain of it.
2: Sure, sure. Because you're definitely, I think, uh, willing to, to broker that with other people and other people. Do you think you're willing to do that with your own yeah. issues? Okay. I
0: think I did that with the first movie I made. Uh, and I think there is definitely some part of wanting to make the film about my grandfather was... Getting out some part of me that feels, um, like uh, you know, uh, uh, unaccounted for. Um, that you know, that being you know, my grandfather coming from Mexico and, yes, and me being yeah. uh, Mexican and not, not ever appearing like, like looking white. You yeah, look white, look but white. you're Mexican. Yeah, yeah, and and it's so and it's so uh, disorienting for me. And yet I yeah. feel it's the smallest violin to ever talk about it.
2: No, no, it's 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 not a. Yeah. Problem, but it is funny that like Yeah, but it,
0: but it is it is a problem for me well, in how just, I see myself. Yeah, it it's is harder to it's confusing. Deal with that. Yeah. Um but yeah, I do I do think I I want to keep interrogating uh, my own stuff in my work and it's one of the reasons I said that that we should do this conversation. I mean, sure. You know. I'm certainly trying to be open to the questions you have.
2: Sure. Sure.
0: Well, let's go on.
2: Sure. So what do you think about the fact that often when people talk about critics, um, they will say, oh, like usually when a critic gives a negative review, they'll go, oh, you know, oh, they just they just want to make movies or oh, if it's a comedy critic, oh, they just want to be a comedian or if they just whatever. Oh, they just want to do that. They just can't do it. So they critique it.
0: I think sometimes that's true. And other times it's not at all true.
2: Because I always think about Roger Ebert made that one movie and then he was like, fuck this, nah. (laughs) And he didn't make a movie after that.
0: No, I don't think Roger uh, had a burning desire to make movies. And and, Mm -hmm. in large part because uh, Roger authored over 20 books. Yeah. He was a natural, um, brilliant writer. So in, in the case of him, I don't think he had some burning desire to make movies. I think if he had lived longer... He may have written a screenplay or two, mm-hmm. um, because he had the time to, and he was so, like I said, sedentary, yeah. That that he just wrote all the time. So sure, um, and he was a quick writer. I mean, he was so so quick. I but I think there are a lot of film critics who don't want to make movies, and then there are some that definitely do, but don't feel like they have the avenues to do that.
2: Uh, what do you think about? So we because we have made fun of reviews and stuff as mentioned earlier peter travers he's always got a quote for it you know
0: yeah it's always like engine stuff it's like (laughs) this film moves at the speed of light and 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 has a has a combustible engine and razor sharp wit (laughs) and and it's like it's always razors and cars and high speed sort of
2: cool sexy description yeah it's it's it's
0: the kind of um Copy that! Movie studios are overjoyed to receive.
2: Yes, yes, that yeah. they're like we're putting that on a DVD cover. Yeah, that's
0: that's he. But he wants that.
2: Yeah, no, of course
0: he wants to be on all the posters.
2: When you are writing, when you are working on something, yeah, do you try to steer away from anything like that? Do you try to?
0: Yeah, I don't think so, but I also wouldn't know, right? I, I think anything I. I think that would be completely subconscious. I Jar. I do think, yeah, there is some part of 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 like, oh, I don't want to do something that's been done, but I'm getting over that because everything's been done.
2: Yeah, no, I, but it, but the, those those things, you know.
0: Even if you took a film that we love, um, you know, what's a film that we both love? Goodfellas. Sure. So even if we took Goodfellas and I said, let's go shoot it uh, next month, we'll get a crew together, and we're gonna reshoot the film, and and exactly match it up shot by shot. Mm -hmm. Just the very act of making it is um, going to be in my own voice. Like, even if we took the same songs and we framed the shots exactly, there would be different actors, there would be different lighting, there would be a different mood created just by the nature of doing it. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's
2: still, it's still unique. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Or you know, at least new. All of the, all
0: the great people are just taking things, and that's okay. No,
2: sure. I mean, you know, there's that a whole thing. There's like twenty stories or whatever the fuck.
0: Yeah, I think it's three.
2: Is it three? Yeah, I think it's three. Oh, that's so much smaller than yeah, twenty. It's like man, oh, no. ma- man versus. Something. No, not that. I'm t- I'm saying like there's you know story structure. Yeah, man versus nature, man versus self, man versus society, man versus man. Right? Those are the something four like conflicts. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah whatever. Yeah. Ah, fuck! Get you know, fucked, conflict.
0: Well, um, th- that's the kind of thing where you 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 hear that, you know, and you're like, well, it may be true, but why would you want it to be?
2: Oh, that there's only six like, number of stories. It,
0: it's a little, it's a little bit like being an atheist. It's like, yeah, yeah, pro- probably, but also,
2: isn't it, it fun to at least think about it? What's,
0: yeah, I mean, what, is that the way? There's just too much certainty in that that I'm uncomfortable with.
2: Right, where it's like, yes, we don't have proof, but also yeah. we're betting on something that doesn't require any proof. Yeah, you know. So it's
0: it's it's very confusing. I think. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question, but but yeah.
2: Well, it does make me think. What is your? Because we don't talk about faith really at all ever.
0: Yeah, and for a good reason.
2: Right. What's that? What's that reason?
0: <laughs> well, I'm a Scientologist. <laughs> I don't have much. To talk about in the way of religion because it's not a part of my life. It 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 just wasn't that important to me. It seemed important as a kid.
2: Oh yeah. But also as a kid, you're getting told shit, and you're like, ah, what? Yeah, but I didn't believe it. So Yeah,
0: I never believed it. I never believed it. I fell asleep in religion class. Both of my parents were like, yeah, 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 okay. You know, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Make up your own mind. So, um. It, it doesn't play a big factor in my life. And I, and I not so that's something I think about.
2: But when you think about mortality, is it, I mean, like, wh- what do you think happens after we die? I mean, like, yeah. is it just over? Cause that sucks.
0: <laughs> um, I sure hope not.
2: Oh God. Right. Yeah. Sure. Wouldn't it be so nice if something happened? Oh yeah.
0: It, oh. It, I mean, it, 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 it sounds nice that something happened and, uh, that something would happen, and and then maybe in some ways it's okay that something doesn't happen.
2: Well, if th- it's like you know, I you know whatever. That's a whole. It's a whole thing. I, yeah,
0: I I have some part of me that believes that I've been here before. Right. Um, when do you feel that? I don't know. I think it, I I just have feelings and and some kind of sensations that 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 I that this is not my first rodeo.
2: What what, what do you think? Like in a god situation, what's your ideal god? Uh,
0: an ideal god?
2: An ideal god? Well, I mean, think about so there could be a god who just like is watching and hoping for people, and then people die, and God's like, "Hey, hmm. good job out there, good good work." Like a kid coming off of the or coming back to the bench at yeah, a sporting event.
0: Right. I I don't know. I've never thought about that in my life, what the ideal God is. I I, I don't know. It would be nice if it reared its head at any point in our lifetime. Like, Um, publicly? I don't feel like it's present. I don't think it's omnipresent uh, or omniscient. or. uh, I don't see it.
2: But do you ever have those things where, like, things are comically going wrong for you on a bad day? And you're like, hey. You look up and you're like, hey. What the fuck?
0: <laughs> I have those days. I just don't think it's that.
2: No, I know. It's just fun to blame something invisible. Yeah.
0: No, I blame myself.
2: Well, that's probably more healthy. Um. What's next? What's next? No. All right. You want to get away from religion? Sam, afraid of God? Doesn't want to diss God on the air? Wow. Impressive. You're an eldest sibling. You have three younger siblings. Though, for a majority of, of uh, your life, you lived with two of them. Is that correct? Yes. So, as the eldest sibling, this is something I think about. My older brother wants to be a director as well. I think there's something to you being in charge, because when you're the eldest sibling, you're in charge as you go through things. Do you think that that has influenced other aspects of your life, aside from professionally?
0: Do you think it has?
2: Well, yeah, that's why I'm asking the question, obviously, but...
0: Um, I think it has, to use this phrase again reared its head mm. uh in all in all sorts of places. Mm. Yes, I do. In uh directing, definitely, in, in uh making the show, in playing sports, in um uh some of my friendships, um probably in, in some of my uh uh relationships romantically. Until we get self driving cars, I'll be in control of that.
2: Can I be honest? We both know that's not going to happen. We're going to get self driving cars. Self driving cars. You're going to. Oh, no, I'm not.
0: Oh, absolutely not. No, no, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Sam. I'm so excited for it.
2: Sam. The, Come the, on, the, 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 you're gonna get addicted to Dramamine. What are you talking about?
0: Well, that is the one downside: is that I wouldn't need to take. That's
2: what I'm saying. Yeah. That's the whole point of what I'm saying.
0: No, I would. I would. I you would,
2: can't drive if you're if you're in a car and not driving. You're nauseous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I you have, can't do self-driving cars.
0: I have motion sickness, you're but, it, but nauseous all the time. But the thing is, Dramamine does work.
2: <laughs> no, it does. That's what I'm saying. You're gonna get addicted to Dramamine. Yeah, and I don't know if that has. It's a low stakes addiction.
0: Huge side effects. Yeah. So. Yeah. No,
2: you get a headache every six weeks or something.
0: Yeah, well, anyway. I Yes, I do think I'm a controlling person.
2: Sure. How do you think that that has affected your art?
0: Um. Well, we've made uh, five movies, and one of them are out. I think that says it all. I think if I was um, less controlling and less precious about things, yeah. all of them would be out. Right. But... Uh, I'm not, mm. and in many ways, I'm sure it's a hindrance, and in other ways, it's one of my greatest virtues. And navigating that is is challenging every day.
2: Yeah, can I tell you one of the weirdest things about interviewing? Yeah, because uh, man, I just asked like a bad question, and you gave a good answer. Is that like I find as I've been doing this, a lot of the questions that I've written um only necessitate small answers you know i've got a lot of leaders in this sucker
0: well interviewing lives and 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 dies by the follow up question
2: yes so, yes so which y- which i've noticed i do not have y-
0: I, I i mean i think you have it i think you're not doing it um all the oh,
2: time oh i'm r- i'm racking my my little brain yeah Okay. uh sure. So let's. Yeah. How do you feel that your uh, ge- just generally controlling nature has affected your personal relationships? Not just me, all of them. Um.
0: How do you think it has?
2: Hmm. That feels unfair. No, uh- but but but
0: but, <laughs> I, but I but I think since this is one of those um unique situations where um your account is probably more interesting. Than my own, because I'm just going on guesses and assumptions, and you can actually speak to it.
2: Well, no. I, I, I think on, on certain parts of it are uh, positive. Other parts of it are... So go into that.
0: What's positive and what's What's negative.
2: positive? I mean, like, you know, for example, when we were in high school, even now, I'm an indecisive person. You always made plans and stuff when we were in high school, because me and Quinn and Jones were all indecisive dudes. Uh-huh. And you would... Put stuff together because we didn't want to, and you wanted to. So it was a it was a very nice mesh fit. Um, I think in adulthood it's you know it's manifested itself in different ways, probably. Um yeah, like for example, like I remember finding out that you needed to be driving to um like not be nauseous in yeah. a car. Yeah. And being like Kind of taken by it,
0: so you've been my best friend um,
2: for, for four years,
0: yeah. I would, I would say probably longer than that, but I, I,
2: you know. or oh, maybe five years. I, I remember the moment that we that I felt that we became that I knew that you were my best friend, yeah. not that we became, but that I knew you were my best friend. So,
0: how would you say my controlling nature has like impacted our relationship?
2: Um, our relationship, yeah, our friendship. I think that I am very passive and that you are very active and that in the beginning of our friendship and relationship, yeah, I uh, was in San Francisco and didn't want to leave my house ever. And you sort of forced me to do that. Yeah. Um, And to socialize with people, which was positive. Um, I do feel in those situations though, that I did not, have a choice right which we've talked about yeah right Um, and I remember the first time and only time you tried to get Milo my roommate to come out and you employed the same admittedly guilt based tactics that you would use to force me to get out because I was so in a shell that like that was yeah. the only way I would go out and you would use the same tactics on Milo and or you did this one time and he was just like laughing like he was like what the fuck are you talking about like mm-hmm. I've never met you what are you saying yeah 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 you're, you're saying the same things mm-hmm. that you would say to me that without yeah. fail got me out every time Yeah, because and, and, I would and, feel and guilty and I'd be context, like well I've gotta this
0: is someone who literally never oh no out.
2: he went out once yeah. in the two years I lived with him so
0: he's probably more of an abnormality than I am
2: sure no yeah but I'm just saying I remember that speech that you had given me so many times and then having it recontextualized through the lens eye opening for you. Of no, I wouldn't say that, but it was just having it recontextualized through the lens of Milo being like, you know
0: you 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 thought I had some moratorium over like your time or something. Well
2: and also it was like that was how I was raised with my mother being like I didn't want to do things, but I had to because I felt guilty and I had to do it. Yeah. And it was like, and, and I, you know, I love him whether she's, you know, my favorite person ever, but like g- guilt has, uh, my, my life is very motivated by guilt and fear, right. which I'm not proud of, but that's just the truth. And that's probably going to be the, the ball game, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, I, I do remember that. And I, um, didn't love having to convince you to go out
2: no i'm sure i'm sure that was a bummer
0: uh i I didn't like convincing anyone to go out i did it um because on the whole it was i knew i I knew in my heart the right thing to do um in that most of the time and there are exceptions of course most of the time um it was beneficial for people to go out and i my 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 feeling at that time, it's a lot different now. Um, I did—I do recognize that I had some ability at that age to like look at things from a bird's eye view. And in my head, every time I convince people to go out and, and to bring people together, which is what I love doing the yeah, most. Yeah, you love it so much. Um, I knew that our lives were never going to be easier. Yeah. And that there were never going to be less consequences.
2: You always were putting, like, things together. Yeah, I liked putting in a, things together. You, you loved it. That, that's part of what I'm talking about, the, like, the control thing. Like, in the director facet of it, like, you were putting things together constantly. Even when we were in high school where, like, you would come up with ideas for things for people to do or just reasons for people to be together. Yeah. Like sports game, which yeah. is where we just put on CPU, playing against CPU on multiple different video games and just watch and go around and bet on them yeah. with nothing the quarters we had, and just like fuck around. but like you're just creating events you know i
0: yeah i don't i don't know i love that
2: you love that well you also that became your job when you worked at the Roxy was mm-hmm. literally just creating events creating screenings creating you know, the the one with the the jazz band and yeah.
0: the thing i love about that the thing i love about creating events is that It didn't exist before it was created. Yeah. And that I I realized at some age, like, oh, I could generate a good time that people didn't even know they were going to have. And uh, I love that. I love that that can happen. And I don't mind the logistical work that it takes.
2: Sure. To create the experience that it creates. Yeah. And I, and I,
0: and, and, and like, that's just part of it. And there's some, i really i really when we get to the root of it, it is coming from um a good place yeah however i i see how um I maybe forced people to do things they didn't want to do i made i made them you know kind of pivot out of their comfort zone and sure. i and i and I pushed and was too aggressive in in, in some situations and i um don't like to do that now and i try not to do that as much and i see that i do and i and, and i go back and forth on whether it's worth yeah whether the event is worthy of the push sure in an ideal world um i wouldn't have to push
2: i was just going to say yeah
0: and in an ideal world um i think people would be less disconnected
2: well in an ideal world do you have to put it together in the first place god no no and and and
0: that would be okay
2: yeah can i say i have this memory that i had not thought about in a while that i think is really funny but we were at a party in college the police come to the door because of the noise when the police come to the door king kunta by kendrick is playing the song is paused of course you give me a phone call. You go out to deal with the police along with the people who own the house. You don't own the house. You go out to just help with the problem, as as you are wont to do. Yeah. And you give me a call, and you go, "Hey, we're about to walk in. You have to skip ahead to the drop of King Kunta, and play it right after we say the cops left." Yeah. Because. <laughs> That's going to be an awesome moment, and people are going to love that. Yeah. No reason. At this point, you're calling. You already know everything's fine. Everyone in the place is, like, freaking out. Like, oh, clubs, right. And you have just decided to, out of what what should have just been, we walk in and start playing music again. You have decided to create a moment. Yes. But you are directing that. Yes. You know, yes. that is,
0: <laughs>
2: like. <laughs> What, what, what is that, that, that want, that need?
0: Uh, that's wonderful. (laughs) Because it's, it's just like, we're here for such a, I mean, probably here for a small amount of time.
2: Oh, we're running out.
0: It's funny, because you used the word decision. I did not think this would be awesome. It just intuitively, that's just... I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, th- oh, this is awesome. Oh, this is going to be cool. This awesome. This I, happens
2: in movies. This is going to be baller as It hell. would be awesome. It would have been awesome. And I wish I could have pulled it off. Yeah,
0: and I, I, I don't know what that is. I just, I just, I'm always looking, not even looking. I always find myself wanting to create moments that um, would be interesting. Some part of me thinks that's how life should be. I, I knew, I knew then, that when we have kids, <laughs> we are going to think, "Yeah, man, college was that time was really fun."
2: <laughs> Let's talk about now. It's present day, as all great interviewers do. What's next?
0: Well, <laughs> uh, it's a, it's just such a good question. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. next? Yeah. What's next? Um, you know, I, 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 I want the show to keep going. Right. Don't know how it could after this episode. Of
2: course. This feels like a closing up shop. Cheers. Turn off the lights.
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, I want to make movies. I want right. to make the show. Right. I'd like to not be broke.
2: Of course. Goes without saying. Um,
0: I'm ready to have some yeah, like financial career stability. Sure. Um I'm ready to not spread myself so thin. I'm in a very precarious place right now. Although it is helped um greatly by uh your father.
2: Oh, killer dude. Yeah. You know wow.
0: him letting me stay here for the, the small the small amount of money that I paid. Sum. Yeah. I couldn't have done anything I've done here in LA without him and Clea. I'm I'm I have always been excited to be an adult. (laughs) Since I was a teenager, I was excited to be an adult, and now I'm kind of an adult, and I'm not thrilled about it.
2: Do Do you feel how close to adulthood do you feel?
0: I'm 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 X
2: percent there.
0: I think I think I'm um eighty eighty percent there
2: everything that I've read that you've written seriously that we've talked about is about relationships. It's about love and the, the, the nature of that is at least a portion of it. Uh uh-huh. Um, is there anything else that you feel you want to explore? Cause that, that has been, you can agree like a majority of it. Yeah. Even the stuff we've written together.
0: Yeah. I think love is a, is a, is a pretty good, uh,
2: it's pretty big, pretty yeah. big part of life from all, what i've heard all encompassing yes yeah.
0: i want to make stuff that's funny with you i think um it's going to be a little hard for me to deviate from what i i know and what has been an integral part of my life and and, and still to this day sure i think my parents splitting up and falling in and out of love with with new people mm. throughout uh, very formative years yes yes yeah informed the kind of stories I'm interested in.
2: So your mother, that is something uh, we should touch on before we go. She was obviously the first parent you had on. Um, and you with your mother have gone through things that are not, I would say typical for a child. Uh, but you you have this relationship with your mother that I, 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 uh, at once envy and do not envy because she was really real with you in weird ways. How do you think that affected your relationship with honesty?
0: I think it may be not afraid of it. Most people, I think, it doesn't come naturally to most people. Right. I found early on in doing interviews that the the more honest I was with people, the more they were willing to be honest in return. I think a lot sure. of people are just waiting for it. I think I think they have sure. they would it's like sort to sort of a safety net. Yeah, they want to expel something, mm. but so much of our day to day lives have nothing to do with being honest um, and transparent. So I think my mother, yeah, instilled a kind of peculiar, rigorous honesty, vulnerability in me at a very early age. And sure. my dad, um, did that too.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, would you say that that is why you were from such a young age able to, I don't know, talk to adults?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's an obvious connection and yet, um, fascinating because I, yeah, I, I, was very comfortable talking to adults yeah. at a very young age.
2: You strike me as a person who, at ten, was going over to your friend Terry's house, and like we're, we were like Mrs. McKillum, these are really nice cookies, and like talking to her about what. I, like, you strike me as someone where the the parents go, mm, I like that kid. You yes. know? I was
0: I was curious. Yes, I am curious. I I, I also, what I found to be true. Uh, what i found to be uh, um interesting is that the more i um the more i asked questions then it didn't really happen until i was like early teens i think yeah. with, with with older folks um people were willing to share all kinds of things there there, there was especially at that age when you have a young person yeah. asking questions to a uh, someone three people times are, my age yeah
2: they're they're more willing to put things in like The honesty of the box that this child will accept.
0: Yeah, because they're like, oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah, sure. sure. But I I, always... It feels harmless. Well, in a way, I felt like I had so much to learn. Sure. And I still feel that
2: all the time. Would you say that as a younger man interviewing all of these interviewers, clearly looking young and and, and not childlike, but being, being very young... Would you say that is why you are able to have interviews you had early on where people are more vulnerable?
0: Yes, although it, that only gets you so far. In addition to to looking young, um well-researched and also I I I approached it differently than other people. Sure. I did not go in looking at questions.
2: Yeah. A big part of your early interviews I think is that involves the element of surprise. Hmm. Because you are so prepared yeah that it, especially in the earlier episodes, you will see you will hear people surprised by you to, yeah. to what to what end would you say that that element of surprise has helped you like you know get get more honesty out of people?
0: Like I said about people being willing to be honest sure but, but, but are not prompted or asked to be honest. I think being prepared helped a, a great deal, and I tried in making the show to really approach the people that were coming on in a way that was um, earnest, uh, sincere, and not after something um, in, in a traditional journalistic fashion.
2: Sure, and not I, not searching or reaching for something. Yeah,
0: I'm not. I'm not. I had not. Created the show to get headlines and maybe to He's the detriment a of the show. Curiosity,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: I I think everyone had, that has come on would would agree.
2: When you because they think about like you know there's like you ask Malcolm Gladwell something and he goes like like he goes like look like there's like a br- like what what like how do you how did you know that like that's so crazy yes and then goes into the answer are you Searching for nuggets like that?
0: I pinpoint um, details, moments, um, ancillary characters. Yeah. Um, small, seemingly small achievements out of a biography. Sure. That I think that A, have not been asked about. Right. And B, in in, in thinking about them um, honestly and, and, and critically... Feel like formative things for them. That move out to California means something. Yeah. You know that that job at that time is is an important, impactful moment. Sure, in that person's yeah. life or whatever. Yeah, and I that I don't know where that comes from, but um, it's. I mean, I'm just writing a. I'm writing a script. Is all it is. Sure. Each episode of, is of
2: their yeah. trajectory, what they've done. Yeah. Every life is a story. Yeah, yeah.
0: But and and trying to highlight the moments that are really fascinating. I love the guests that come on that feel like they have been accounted for, and and cared for, and and thought of, and um. That's the goal. Are there are there memories, uh, moments between you and I that you think would be fascinating?
2: Oh, um, well, I was going to bring it up a little earlier, but the moment where I think where I felt, oh, this is my best friend, was I had stayed up uh, until 6 in the morning writing an essay in college that I had to turn in. It was like end of the semester, my first semester of college ever. And I also found out that morning, then at 6 in the morning, I got an email that said I got a job that I had applied for. And you had texted me, you know, at midnight and it's six in the morning. I texted you, you texted something back. Um, and we texted back the exact same response at the same time. And then we had like a two hour phone call Mm -hmm. and you had just broken up with like the first girlfriend that you were like, like your first like real girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and I had just gotten this job and we just talked for two hours and had a great conversation much better than this. Listeners should check out that one. Cause that one was pretty good actually. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> uh, that is, that is a defining moment where I remember being like, Oh, this guy's my favorite. Yeah. I love this guy. And that like, you know, from there I was like, Oh yeah, this guy's my best pal. And you've been my best friend since then. I mean, I don't know.
0: I remember that. Yeah, I was I was um, confused and sad, but not heartbroken. Although I had broken someone's heart,
2: you were bummed out, and I listened to you. Which, as you know, I'm not a good listener at all. <laughs> but I remember like really giving a shit
0: <laughs> yeah. and
2: being like, "Oh man, that's too bad." Right. I'm really bummed for my friend because he feels bad. You know. Yeah. Um, you are a critical person in general, I would say, um, you, you know, part of which is demonstrated by you actually being a critic, uh, for a period of time. I asked you earlier if you handled criticism well, when people criticize your art and how have you felt or how, how would you feel? Do you think when people will, you know, criticize your art eventually?
0: Um, I'm sure I will be um, frustrated and excited and scared and anxious and nervous. And hopefully, if if the response is positive, I'll feel okay about it.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'm sure I'll glom on to the few negative things or the many negative things. Um, I think when it comes to feedback on the work... I think it depends on who it's coming from. Sure. But by and large, I uh, you said I struggle with it. I don't. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I invite it. Um, I've definitely invited it on on many many things that I've made. Um. So I think just the very act of inviting it is uh, d- d- demonstrates that I'm I'm interested in it. Mm. Now I may not always take it so well. Sure. But it's it's almost I, I don't take it well because I think, um, the other person is uh, bad or or being mean or unkind. I take it maybe harshly because um, you know I take things to heart. You sure. know? in general, yeah, yeah, I take things to heart. So,
2: what would you say is like a source that you are. You're saying it depends on the source, like if it's... Yeah. What is a source that like is okay and what is one that is, is hurtful or not okay or that you wouldn't feel as good about? I don't
0: think I... but Yeah, see, and I said that and I was like, well, I don't really invite anyone in that I don't feel comfortable with. Sure. So the small pool of people that I do send... Yes. The things that I want to make are people I all trust. Yeah. I hope my friends, my former friends, many of them, and people that I knew growing up um, as a teenager, I hope they are kind. <laughs> I hope they're kind towards me, yeah, well, that's good but you but you I mean, I think you brought it up because you felt like I don't respond so well to it, so you're thinking about some instances well, where maybe, no, no, you know,
2: it's one of those things where it's like, well, yes i think I think you're a relatively when it comes to criticism, sometimes you can be sensitive, but uh, I'm more worrying on a grand scale. Of like, if you create something that is big ah. and you have a grand scale of people looking on it, mm-hmm. the world is a mean place. And p- there will be just 30% of people will just be mean because yeah. that's just what happens. Yeah. I mean, I'm I've, wondering how you feel you will deal with that.
0: I feel I feel my track record indicates how I would deal about that. I mean, sure. since so, since I was a young person. Yeah. Existing in an adult space. There have been plenty of adults who have said unkind things about me. Sure. And I kept going.
2: Right. And but it, I, it did hurt. I mean, yes, it um,
0: hurt. It hurt, but I'm but I'm not paralyzed. I'm affected, but I'm not paralyzed. Sure. And I think if 30% of the people hated some movie I made, um, I'd be hurt, but I wouldn't be paralyzed.
2: Would you say that would motivate you? Or would you say that it would... You know, just make you pivot or slow down, or how would how would you characterize how you believe that you would react in that situation?
0: I believe I would keep going
2: no, sure, no, I get that it's just you know, but it's just fascinating to me that something that the the reason you got your start will be something that affects you throughout your career, yeah, you know, yeah, kind of interesting,
0: yeah, I think that's wonderful. I like the poetry of that. That's cool. It's
2: a weird world. It's been so weird to look at you sometimes in the eyes and sometimes in the microphone throughout this interview. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I want to say, Sam, it's been great having you on my podcast. I'll do a better job next time. Um, I'll lean away from the mic probably more next time. Realistically, I'm not good at the microphone thing. Uh, but it's been fascinating to get to know you over these seven hours and I just want to say uh, that you're my best pal, and I love you. And I'm sorry that um, I didn't perform at talk e- this to the audience, not to you. Uh, to talk easy standards, but I will say on episode 300 when I return, I will be prepared, I will be ready, and I will be aggressive and angry. And hurtful and mean and bad, but in a way that is actually fun if you do think about it.
0: Uh, thank you for asking me questions.
2: <laughs> I, oh, jeez,
0: I was going to say, thanks for having me on, but I right. felt weird doing that.
2: No, that would be weird. It's your show.
0: it is um that is episode 150 on the podcast and there it is um harrison is still uh sitting across from me right now i i i do you think people learn something there uh
2: well i'll i'll, I'll say that i think people will learn what about voice is that? you as it's the current one i will say that people will learn about you as a person and uh i want to say that i i did as i said in the intro that we did record I did learn a little bit about you myself.
0: Well, I appreciate that. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, you can do so at TalkEasyPod.com. As always, the show is executive produced by David Chen. Graphics by Ian Jones. Design by Ian Chang. Illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. Our social media is by Nikki Spina. Our intern is Ghani Zur. Our music is by Dylan Peck and Jin Sang. Our associate producer is Caroline Reebok. And the show is produced by Neil Innes. Harrison, I thank you so much for interviewing me. Well, upcoming this fall, Randall Park, Gloria Steinem, Edward Norton, Laura Dern. Next week is Gary Goleman. Uh, we have so many wonderful people coming up. Uh, and, and, and really, uh, the most wonderful is going to play us out Curtis Mayfield.
2: Oh, God.
0: We love you so. Rest in peace. I love you, Sammy. I love you, Harrison. Thank you for doing it.
2: Yes, I'll always feel the same.
1: Love is strange. Oh, yes, I love love you, baby. I wouldn't have it any other way. As long as there's been a night and
2: day, spend you and your crazy Crazy ways. I
1: love you, baby. She just loves me. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek
2: to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
1: Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself, I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques. With more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians, and thousands of famous songs, you get seven days totally free to try it out, and then it's just thirty dollars per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, m-u-s-o-r-a.com, to start a new musical journey today.